The Business Animal Podcast is proudly sponsored by WP Engine, your resource for managed WordPress hosting, and Keep, the premier CRM software for small business. Head over to thebusinessanimal.com for the best deals on these two amazing products. Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry, where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey there, business animals. It's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. And welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about something that makes people uncomfortable, Kara. It's extremely uncomfortable <laughs> for most people. So we're going to be talking about sales. Ick. Just kidding. <laughs> sales are great. We're going to be talking about sales. Nothing right. creepy, just sales, just selling, just just selling. I happen to be, you know me, I'm the twisted person who actually likes selling stuff. I honestly, I like selling more than I like delivering. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Uh, I know I'm the exception to the rule, but I don't know as though I was always this way. I don't know if I was quite as happy about sales as I've gotten in the last like 15 years. I do know that a lot of people struggle with this. And I have written a little pocket book called The Little Book of Big Sales Moves that is available for pre-order after this episode. And you're going to be learning a little bit about what is in the back of that book, which is how to overcome objections. So that's basically what we're talking about is the part of sales that is the ickiest part of sales for people. You know, the, the selling of people are just like, hey, I want to buy it is pretty easy. But when they say, I have an issue with this, <laughs> then then you start running into a little bit of a problem. I know that's the worst part. It is. It is. <laughs> but it, it can be also fun for you to think <laughs> about how to overcome those. And if you are prepared ahead of time, if you think there are objections through and you have good answers for them, it's really not that hard. And you can make so much difference in the bottom line of your business and the lives of the people that you serve, whether you're selling a product, a service, or you have a nonprofit. So today we are going to get talking about how to have those conversations around the objections. So the big three for this, and then we're going to dive into a, a lot around these three topics, are almost all sales objections can fall into one of three categories, money, time, or fear. So those are the big reasons why people throw up their hands and say no, or not right now, or I'm not sure when you're having the sales conversation with them. And so you need to be prepared to address all three of those. Kara, which one of these is the one that you have the most struggle with? I think just from a personal perspective, definitely money is probably the biggest one because I have historically had an issue where I would think that other people couldn't afford things that I maybe couldn't afford or that they don't want to spend money on things that maybe I'm not ready to spend money on. And so the biggest thing that I have learned over the years is that I have to stop assuming that I know what other people's bank accounts look like. And that just because when I was in my 20s or in my 30s, I couldn't afford something doesn't mean that somebody else in that situation 
isn't more than willing to purchase something that I couldn't afford at that time. So that was the biggest thing that I had to, you know, and we've had so many episodes where we've talked about money mindset and where those things come from and all of that. But the big takeaway is that whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's fear, sales objections are absolutely going to happen at some point. So as business owners in the animal equine or pet based industry, we have to get comfortable with the idea and then not only get comfortable with it, but we have to, okay, okay. So where do they come from? And that way, when they happen as salespeople, as people trained to make a living from our business, we can be prepared when they happen and that it's not a huge setback to us. And instead, hopefully we pivot and can grow from it and hopefully fingers crossed, make the sale anyway. Absolutely. And I think the first thing I want to start off saying before we jump into that money objection and get to talking about it, because I know that's the hot topic on everybody's mind, is that when it comes to objections, I am going to encourage you to shift your mindset around objections when they come up in your business. The first thing I want you to do is to stop thinking it's about you. <laughs> so when a customer objects, it's not you. You're not the problem. It's something in their world that is the problem. And there is a good chance that they're not even aware that it's the problem. And so understanding where customers have pushback and where they have objections overall will help you guide the conversations so that they, at the very least, if they don't walk away with your product or service, they walk away with a better awareness about themselves in context to whatever it is that you're selling. So let's dive into money. Are you ready to talk some dollars and cents? Do it. Do it. I'm ready. <laughs> so as Kara mentioned, <laughs> there is the money objection where it belongs to you. So when we look at money objections, they fall into one of two categories or they fall into two typical categories, your money objections or their money objections. So we're going to tackle your money objections first. If you look at it when you are selling and the objections come up because you aren't confident in what you're charging for what you're selling, in other words, you have questions in your mind or questions in your heart that say this isn't worth it or you're looking at the person in front of you going you shouldn't be spending your money on this or you know I think this is expensive so if it's something inside of you that is bringing up that objection I mean okay so you know there's this adage we're all animal people about how animals can smell fear on people <laughs> You know, like they, they know somehow secretly that yes. we're, we're afraid of something or have an issue around it. So consumers can sense when you are having money issues. And when you're having money issues around being able to charge what you've said you're going to charge or charging the entire fee, they're going to have issues in paying you. So you've got to look at that money issue first and say, is it mine or is it theirs? And if it's really yours, you need to own it. A very wise woman whose name is Melissa Pierce one time told me to stay out of her wallet. And I wholeheartedly believe her. It was when I was quoting a project and she knew that I had discounted it way too much. And when she asked me why we had a discussion around it and that was her advice to me was to stay out of her wallet. And if you want to go back and listen to more of Melissa's wisdom around money, we've had her on the show twice and she always offers such amazing advice that changes people's lives. So that was a big moment for me when I it really hit me that my 
money issues in my business, my issues in charging people, my issues in invoicing, my issues in getting people to pay the amount that I really needed to sustain my business didn't have anything to do with them. It had to do with me. They were perfectly happy with it. But when we got to the close and we got to the financial amount, I would wafer and they could sense that with me, even if I said it outright. So the work for you here, dear listener, if this resonates with you, is that you have to get your head straight around the value of what you're selling. At this point in my life and my career, I am confident that what I have to offer brings people success. It makes an impact and it is worth far more than what I am charging for it, even though I do charge a lot because I can see the success and I can see the results that it brings to people. And if you struggle with this, you need to take some time and really sit down and figure out how your product or service benefits people. And what is the real payoff for them? And if you have money issues in your heart or in your mind, get with somebody who can help you. And I will highly recommend myself or other gestaltists who can really help you clear those barriers quickly and be able to get your mind straight around the money. I would add to that a third piece, which is remind yourself what happens when you don't respect this one. When you don't make the money that you need to make, when you don't stick with your pricing, when you offer a discount before you needed to offer a discount or because you were feeling guilty about something or you were in your own way and you were in their pocket instead of where you should have been. Because what happens when, for me, when I do that is that I get resentful, I get frustrated, I want to change my business or I want to do something totally different because I took a moment and disrespected all of the work that I had done to understand the, my cost of doing business, to understand how much I need to make to live, to understand the value for myself. I went against all of that and now I'm in this position where I've undersold a product. I could be not making the money I needed to make. I could be losing money on a job. I'm just saying, like, take that third step too and remind yourself, you know, what happens when you don't respect the money? Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And it is so true when you sit and ask yourself that question. And if you've come from a world that gets paid hourly and, you know, you've had a overviewing corporation that takes care of a lot of the other parts of the business financially and then you get your salary for it. Moving into being an entrepreneur is a true challenge. And this little objection piece here can come up and it'll then show up in your customers because they'll not feel you're congruent with what you're saying you're charging and what is in your heart or in your mind. So just get it fixed. That's the bottom line to it. Whatever you need to do to adjust it. And if you don't know what to do, find someone that can help you explore that until you do know it. The next step of this is if the objection comes from your consumer and this happens. I mean, it happens a lot, <laughs> right, Kara? I mean, I have had more than once a consumer tell sure. me it's just too much for me. Uh, yeah. And it, it yeah. doesn't matter what your price point is. No, either. it does not. <laughs> Changing your price point won't fix no, it. No, it won't. And it, like I said, it doesn't matter if you run a business that has maybe a price point that's on the lower end, or if you run a business where you have really high end products, it doesn't matter which way you are, where you are, there will always be people who are going to object to the price and want something cheaper, not see the value in it. One of those things, there will always be someone there. So just know that it doesn't matter where your price point is or how much you lower it or how much you raise it, you will come up against sales objections. 
objections. Absolutely. You will come up with objections around money and you'll start to see the clues when consumers are having a conversation with you and you reveal something about the price and they say things like, wow, that's expensive, or I don't know if I can afford that. Then what you need to do at this point is to be really concrete in establishing the value for what it is that you're selling. So you need to help the customer see the benefit of the solution that you're providing them. Not necessarily product sales points or service sales points, but what is the true benefit that is going to change that consumer's life? Those changes may be in a super small way or they can be in a super big way, but I can guarantee you whatever it is that you're selling offers a benefit and the solution that it's solving that problem and in that solution, that's where the value is to the consumer. If it relieves a pain point and that consumer doesn't have to experience that pain or pinch point, that is worth a lot. So, you know, you've got to help them see that. You can offer analytics to them. You can show them where the success has happened for other people. You can use that testimonials and social proof as well as analytics and numbers. And then you can also use statistical proof as well. So there's a lot of ways for you to really make apparent what the benefit is of your particular solution that that customer or consumer is paying for. Every small business owner wants to gain traction in their marketing. After three decades of working with small business owners just like you, I have developed what I call my 4x4 marketing method. In just one 90-minute session, you'll discover the four major focus areas of a successful marketing plan, and together we'll uncover where your business is getting stuck. You'll leave the session with an action plan of next steps that engage your revenue engine. Drop by bemorebusiness.com to request your session today. That's B-E-M-O-R-E business. Com. See you there. In addition to that, get curious with them about where the money objection is really coming from. So, you know, you can say things like, I understand money can be an obstacle. Tell me if there's anything I could do to bring more value to you and get whatever benefit it is that they've stated or whatever solution it is that they're looking for. Again, it's not really about the price of what it is that you're selling. It's about where they are right now. They'll say things like, that's expensive. You respond with this and they say something along the lines, you know, I, I get that. And it, it sounds wonderful, but my son just had surgery and, you know, we're a little financially strapped. Now you understand that it's not your product or anything. It doesn't have any correlation even to the solution to the situation. It just simply is money. And at that point, then you can turn around and ask, you know, is there, you could offer a payment plan or you can give them maybe a discounted lesser choice that is not the same, but maybe carries them to a certain point in the resolution of whatever it is they're experiencing. But in asking those questions, what you do is you can get to know your consumers better and you can understand exactly where that consumer is coming from. And then at that point, you can try to establish a way that you can help them get what they need by either bringing more value to it or by getting them some type of an arrangement that will work for them. Absolutely. I think in terms of money and any product that has a higher ticket item, you know, just a reminder, and I know we've talked about this in other episodes, but you 
should be building value all along as well. So not just in this conversation, it should be something that people are seeing across every contact that they have with you, whether that be your social media, your blog post, your website, you know, your phone conversations with them. That's something that you should be building up to all along. And I would just add, you know, Kim mentioned, you know, you, okay, so you've established that it really is an issue with money. They've had an emergency with their animal and, you know, maybe they had originally thought they were going to be able to make a payment on something and then they can't. That's understandable and we're all human and we can relate to that. I would just caution that you have to be super careful about when you start to mark things down, when you start to offer discounts or payment plans that you want to make sure you're comfortable with that. And it's something that you, at the end of the day, that that works for you. And that potentially it's something that's going to set a precedent because I guarantee the time that I offer a client a discount on something, it'll be when they tell their friend that's scheduled to work with me next week that I gave them a discount. You know, so I like to just caution people like you want to make sure that you're super comfortable with all of that and that you really understand understand what that's going to do to you and your business in this particular case. Absolutely. And sometimes you said that about not discounting. Sometimes bringing just a little bit of extra value is all that it takes to get somebody to say yes. Like I've had people approach me about working with me on one of my monthly contracts and there was a really small deal breaker. Like they wanted a 45 minute appointment instead of a 30 minute one. And I'm like, you know what? That extra 15 minutes, if I have you, if you commit to a year with me. Yes, it adds up over time, but it's 15 minutes here and there. It's not a big deal. So it's just a point of figuring out where are you at an impasse when it comes to money and value and figuring out if you can bridge that gap between the two things and get the person into what it is that you're selling. And as you know, Kara, I sold CSI saddle pads, which are an incredible product, but they're also an expensive product. And having to establish the value for something that on the surface, you could buy an equivalent product for well less than $100 and then saying, you know, it's $350, And I think she's even raised the price again. That was a while ago. You've got to be on the ball in helping people understand that and understand how the product or service of what they offer or what you offer is really actually more valuable than what it is that you're charging them when it comes to the change that it makes in their life. So moving on to way from money, which is always the big topic, into time. So time is another one of these factors that people will have objections around. And usually this again falls into two different categories. This time it's timing, as in is this the right moment for the consumer or the time that they need to put into attaining whatever solution it is that they want. So if you're a business consultant, a lot of times you get hit up by number two because changing a business or doing you know business coaching or anything like that, there's some time put into that process on the client's end. And if they're having the objection as in, I just don't have the time for this, then there's a, a issue there that you have to solve. And then timing, of course, is this the right moment for things? So if the timing is the objection, what I recommend you do is you work on figuring out a compromise that will make it work. So for example, if your consumer is only available on service calls, 
calls on Saturdays and you don't work on Saturdays, then you're at impasse until something else occurs. So maybe the consumer has a vacation day coming up or the like, or maybe you're willing to open one Saturday a month if they commit to a year long service call situation or something. Or for an additional fee, you'll come on that particular day. So when you reach the objection, this objection, the best thing to do is try to map out a plan with the consumer, working with them as their partner to eliminate whatever the issue is and get to where you can move forward. In general, I think timing is a relatively easy objection to overcome because it's something that is intrinsically most of the time solvable. What do you think, Kara? Well, I think time is one of those things that if it's important, if it's a priority, if it's something you really care about, we will oftentimes bend over backwards to make the time for things that are really important to us or that we've invested in or that we really see can bring magic to a situation or that can solve our problem. So I think being flexible is huge. And at the same time, defending your time and defending your boundaries should be a consideration. So absolutely. I mean, I come up against this all the time as a photographer, and I've had to be really clear on this is when I can shoot. This is when I'm available. I'm so sorry that you waited until November to get your Christmas pictures done. I've been booked for months, like that kind of thing. Like you really have to defend it (laughs) and recognize that sure, it's a legitimate thing, but it is probably the easier of the three that we have here for sure to work around. And if it's important to people, they figure it out a lot of times. Are you looking to bring awareness to your equine-based product or service or create a unique way for your audience to feel connected to your brand? Quality horse photos tell your story and breathe life into your marketing. They draw your customers in and create an emotional connection. Powerful images communicate your core values and highlight the benefits your product offers, ultimately proving your business is a voice your customers can trust. It's time to use dynamic images that define your small business and separate you from the rest of the herd. Fast Horse Photography's professional photo library features thousands of searchable images available for businesses just like yours. And guess what? 100% of those images are horse-related. Now, finding the right horse images for your website, social media, and marketing needs is easier than ever. Help your audience see that your brand offers the answers they are looking for. Search for the perfect images for your equine business right now. Spur your customers into action with FastHorsePhotography.com. That's FastHorsePhotography.com. My thing with you as a salesperson is that if this is a customer you really want, and there are occasions when customers bring this particular objection and you're like, okay, I see that. (laughs) Bye. Because you're like, I'm not really sure I want to work with this person who is maybe not flexible in some ways. And that just depends on you and your brand and, and what you're willing to do with the situation. But yeah, as Kara said, it's one of the easier ones that you can overcome as long as you're willing to get in there and partner with them and really get down to the heart of it to see where you can eliminate that issue. The one where it's it's the time the consumer needs to put into something to reach their goal. That is the aspect of timing that is a little bit trickier to overcome. It's usually because the person has some type of a block there. And that was, I'll tell you, this is the biggest reason, not the, not the objection, but, but part of it, 
one of the bigger reasons, I guess I should say, that I got the certification in the Gestalt program that I went through is because I am able, I have this now two years of training where I can really, in these sales conversations, see where people have the block. And I have much better intuition about where this particular block comes from. And if it's something that maybe they need to continue to gain awareness around until they're really ready to work on it, or whether the block and the timing issue is really something that they're really ready to overcome, but it feels it's actually flowing into number three, which is it's just a little bit on the scary side. And the Gestalt training has given me the ability to to kind of reach in there and talk to people about that, especially when it comes to my own business, where people have to make a pretty big commitment to reach their business goals and to make the changes at the level of their business and the level of their person that sometimes are asked for in in that achievement of whatever the solution is that they're looking for. So in this one, I feel like I have a little advantage. If you, however, don't have that advantage, all you can do is go back to establishing the benefits of the solution. Again, not necessarily product selling points, but the things it's going to bring to the consumer's life that are going to change them. And honestly, when you run into this particular objection, especially if you have a higher ticket item, this is the time that you need to lean back on your CRM software, which is your customer relationship management software, to develop nurture sequences and just maintaining the contact with them until they're really over that block or barrier and they're really ready to make a commitment. And there's a lot of great wisdom out there in sales books about the moment that that particular thing happens, especially in like what I do where people are in their business, they're considering hiring a consultant, they look at the amount of time that it's going to take to maybe make the changes that they want to make. And then they're like, I just don't have time for that. I can't see it. But then they go back to their business and situations just get continually worse until the pain really trumps the amount of time it's going to take. And they get to the point they're like, yep, I, I see. I really need to devote the time to this. And now I'm ready to really do that. As a business owner, it's my job to stay in contact with them until that moment really happens for them. And now they're ready to work with me. If that moment happens and I have not maintained my contact with them, they're going to hire the next business coach or business consultant that crosses their path. And it's going to be on the back of a lot of my hard work. So I don't, I don't like that. And CRMs allow me to really stay in contact with people. So in the overcoming this objection, I feel like the long game is the really important piece here and that you really need to mindfully set your business up for success for achieving that. And to say that that only works for things like consulting or services that are a higher ticket, I will tell you this also worked for the saddle pad sales. <laughs> so over time, the seeds that I planted in that sales conversations with people around CSI pads and the benefits they offered, especially to people who rode multiple horses or who had high-end performance horses who deal with a lot of impact in their back, they over time, they noticed the things that we talked about in our sales conversation keep coming up. And then when the pain point became super obvious, they were back at the booth with money in hand and not a lot of complaint about turning loose of it and willing to put in the work to learn how to saddle fit their horse and and get the benefit out of things. That's such an important piece of the 
the puzzle there because I think when it comes to time, a lot of times as business owners, we can say, well, that side of things, it's really out of our hands. Like either they're ready to do it or they're not, or they understand it or they don't. And we just need to wait for them to be ready. And that is what you're saying. However, you're saying you have to use your CRM. You have to use those tools that you have in order to be in the forefront for when they're ready. And that's the missing piece. I think a lot of us just forget about, or we give up on them or we write them off as opposed to always just being there. Because at some point, most likely, if they needed it at one point, they will understand the value. It will come around. I, I mean, a great example, I had a client that reached out to me in 2018 for a photo shoot with her horse. And I mean, I have our correspondence from 2018 that I could pull up. And, you know, I've continued to be out there and in the forefront. Well, she contacts me in 2021 to photograph that same horse under completely different circumstances. But it took all that time for her to get to a place where it made sense or that she was ready. And she could have used any photographer, you know, that was there in the area and was available. But because that relationship had continued throughout when her time came, even though it was years later, you know, we were there, I was there, Fast Horse was there. So such an interesting point, because I think a lot of us would write that side of the time issue off and just say, well, when they're ready, they'll be ready, you know, or they're not ready right now. I can't control that. But the truth is, is you can, you do have some control over your presence there. Yeah. And staying present with them and allowing them the grace to have the process to be able to complete what they need to complete to come to your product or service with their whole heart versus feeling like they were dragged into it, I think is another piece. So, you know, for so many of us, I guess we expect sales success to be so immediate. In other words, if it doesn't happen right then and there, it doesn't happen. And that's not the reality of sales. Sales, I don't care what kind of business you're in, it's a long game. It's something that you are going to be doing often and frequently and forever. And all of the work that you do, when a person walks away from your sales conversation without a purchase, never ever consider that a failure. You're sending that person away with one of two things. You're sending them away with the knowledge that your business is not for them. And that eliminates a huge weight for you and them. Because if they purchased it and it wasn't right for them, then it wouldn't be a good relationship. And it's a benefit that they're walking away. Or you've sent them away with some awareness around what it is that you have to offer. And now it's just got to cook for a little while. And it just has to roll around in their mindset and they need to think about it and go back into whatever it is that drew them into you to begin with. And really consider the things that you've said in your sales conversation with them. And over time, that will play huge factors in their decision to come back and purchase from you. And during that time, during that process, it is your job to just simply be there waiting with the open door and gentle nudges and draws back into your business. And that's where your social media, that's where your CRM, that's where all of those support tools that you, all that hard work you put into that, that's where then it pays off is that that conversation comes back around to you. So I never consider sales conversations that don't end in a sale as being a bad thing. I actually think that regardless of which of those two things happen, it's a, it's a good thing for your business. And you learn a lot along the way as well. Anything else you want to add about time before we move on to fear? Nope, let's move on to fear. <laughs> fear is 
another objection that like money can really be divided into yours and theirs. And I've already given the example of, you know, the that people can sense that it is very real and palpable if you have fear of selling whatever it is that you're offering. And a lot of times that does have to do with our perceptions and values around money, but it can be a lot of other things. When you're a brand new business, you maybe are a little concerned you can't deliver what you've just said. You uh, maybe don't have the greatest confidence in what it is that you're selling. That's on you to to work on fixing that. And sometimes it's just practice and experience is all that's going to do to fix it. The remedy is really for you to do your emotional and mental work. And again, to really establish for yourself the value of what it is that you are selling. If you don't believe in it and you don't believe in it wholeheartedly, your customers are going to know that. And if the fear is with your customer, just like with timing and money, this is an opportunity for you to double down on showing them the value and the benefits and then also double down on staying in contact with them and making sure that as they go through their process to resolve that fear, that your solution is in front of them, waiting there for them to pick it up and reap the rewards from it. Absolutely. I think the education piece is huge here as well. Are there other ways that you can educate and build confidence in your client? You know, what are the tools that you've put into place to help instill confidence? You know, is that something like a money back guarantee or a great return policy or customer support along the way? I mean, these are all things that you can do to help ease the fear factor, but also that education piece is huge. A great example that I have of this is I have been working with a client now. We've worked together a couple of times. So the confidence in our relationship is there and the value that I provide is there. However, they had a unique space in their home that they needed to fill with artwork. And I had an idea for a particular type of artwork that I thought we could hang there that would hold value over time and be a longer lasting product for them. The space was a pretty sunny, well-lit area. And I was really worried that some of my usual products wouldn't stand the test of time like I was hoping this piece would for them. So I decided to try a new product with them that I have wanted wanted to try for a long time. And they had some fear around that. Well, you know, when we were in your studio, I didn't get a chance to touch that product, to feel that product, to, you know, really know what it was going to look like on the wall. So I was able to educate them with some tools that the vendor provided, which was awesome. And then I included with that something that I felt very comfortable with, which is if we get this on your wall and it doesn't look exactly like you want it to look, then I will order the other product for you and save this one as a sample for my office. And I felt really comfortable doing that because it was a new product. And I knew this client in terms of the fear factor, you know, we had had an established relationship. So there are times when you can educate and then use those other tools that you have you know, around you to help with the fear piece of it. I just wanted to give that as an example of how, you know, I was able to be flexible in that situation. And I'm excited, you know, to, to have the new product and part of the line. But anyway, that was just a great example I think I had about dealing with the fear and how I dealt with it in that situation. Yeah, that is a great example. Another thing that I was just thinking about, as you were saying that, that helps really assuage fear in 
clients is social proof. So this is a place where if you notice a consumer is feeling a little bit hesitant, this is the place to have a really solid set of testimonials and customer case studies that you can share with them. Even if it's case studies where you're reporting it back to them, it's not necessarily even in the customer's voice or words uh, where you tell them, I, you know, I had a customer who was in a similar experience and, you know, Kara could use this if she runs into this again, she could use the story for that she just told you about this client. She could bring that story to the person who has the same fear and talk to them about the result, which turned out really positive. But social proof is a place here where it does bolster confidence in your client. It does bolster confidence in consumers that haven't worked with you. And it really does do a lot to alleviate that fear point for them. Again, when I mentioned this at the top of when we very opened this episode, I said you need to be prepared for these things in advance because you are going to run into these three objections. They're going to happen in your sales conversations. And I said you need to be prepared. So that really looks like doing your own work for each and every one of these and understanding how each one of them impacts your clients. And then also understanding what tools and resources can you put at your disposal when you're in the heat of the moment for a sale to be able to help move that sale through these objections. And I think that's probably the most critical piece. And then what if you can't get a good close at that moment? Then what do you have already put in place that you can just use as a gentle guidance tool to help that consumer find their way back to you if they are drawn to you as their solution for whatever they're experiencing? Absolutely. And I would just encourage folks that are listening, if you want to hear more about this, this isn't the first time that Kim and I have talked about sales conversations. Look back to episode number 19, where we talk about how to get comfortable with sales conversations. It's a really great episode that gives a lot of examples of the types of conversations and objections that people might have and what they mean. And I would definitely suggest hopping into that episode, digging in a little bit deeper in terms of sales conversations. And then of course, as Kim has mentioned, she's got her, are you calling it a book, a booklet? What are you calling it, Kim? Um, I'm calling it a little book. It's a little book. A little book. Yeah, it's 20 okay. typed pages. By the time it gets in the book format, it'll probably be closer to 50 or 55. But it's readable within a couple of hours at most. And I don't spend a lot of time just rambling. We we get to the point. And I, I really happen to like these small books where if you want me to ramble, come read some of my fiction or my poetry. But this is to help you get to sales. And sales is about getting to the point. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I would say... I got to read the book already. So go ahead and look for her pre-order option. It comes highly recommended as, you know, I've, like I said, I've got to preview it already and it's, it's really good. I think you guys would enjoy it. Is that it for us today, Kim? That's it for us today. We've overcome all the objections. <laughs> Excellent. So you guys, thank you so much for, you know, hanging out with us again today. We really appreciate it and we love hearing from you. So if you've enjoyed this episode on how to overcome sales objections, please hop over and let us know by leaving a review wherever you like to listen or hop over to social media. You can find us at The Business Animal on Instagram and on Facebook. We would love to hear from you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. 
We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal.